Put your nose a little no, bit more to the left. Uh, it's fine. Okay. No, Wait, a little bit. No. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah. There it is. Oh, Drill that okay. in there. Oh, okay. Yes. Arm connected. Perfect. I have one arm again. Woo. Okay, now we now this reassembly will go a lot faster. Um, okay, hand, hand me that spleen. I think that's mine. No, uh, I'm pretty sure this is mine. No, I'm, okay. You want to you want to fight for it? Well, I have an arm and you don't, so I think I'd win. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, fine. Okay, no, hold on. Wait, no, that's my no, that's definitely my leg. That's definitely okay. my leg. Get okay. that get that off your yeah, uh, okay. torso. It's mine. Okay. Put that there. Right, left hand down. There we go. No, dude, dude, that's that's definitely my pinky, though. All right, okay. I mean, let's just stick this back. Okay, no. we're gonna have to speed this up. Oof. Okay, okay. I think let's pull the lever, and that should oh. recombine us all together, and we can do the podcast. Uh, okay, do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Farscape Rewatch podcast. I am your host, Kantwa Hats, and joining me, as always, is Red Nightmare. In 2004, war was beginning. <laughs> Begun, the Peacekeeper Wars have. Begun, <laughs> <laughs> the Peacekeeper Wars have. Anyway, we're back. We're back after our one-week break, and we are here to begin the final leg of the podcast. Yeah, the beginning of the end. Yep. This is Peacekeeper Wars Part 1 of we'll get back to you on how many (laughs) (laughs) however many we feel like just to give you an idea of how we're doing this on the dvd for peacekeeper wars there are two discs there's part one and part two Mm -hmm. today we're trying to record our discussion about as much of part one as possible and we'll see how many episodes that shakes down into you know it's uh all a work in progress so yeah but this is this is it this is the last few episodes that we get to do mm-hmm. and this is the peacekeeper wars mini series so like i said it's edited into two one and a half hour segments basically mm-hmm. but it was originally a mini series of around i think it was it was four episodes that makes sense that all get uh, stitched together and uh, yeah so this was remember we talked about at the end of season four Farscape got cancelled at the end of that season, and so they never got a season five. But there was, you know, the campaigning of fans. In fact, there's, you know, Brian Henson, David Kemper, you know, Rock Nessa Bannon, all the people who are involved in Farscape. They credit the return of Farscape uh, as Peacekeeper Wars due to the uh, fans campaigning. You know, the fans really pulled for it to come back and, you know, finish up uh, what they started, and mm-hmm. they got it. They got Peacekeeper yeah. Wars. The production began December 2003, and then it eventually came out 2004 in October, its original release. And yeah, it's basically, you know, it's the last chance to wrap everything up and finally put the arc of Farscape to a close. Mm Mm-hmm. And it does. Yeah, it does. It it definitely does. We we have watched it all through at this point, but we will be talking about as much of the first half as we can today. So yeah, this is uh, this is where we kick off, and it's interesting. So let's get into the episode, or let's get into part one of Peacekeeper Wars. We can call it an episode. Yeah, I suppose it is. It's an episode. So yeah, it's written by David Kemper, Rockne S. O'Bannon. You know, to the the big creative leads behind mm-hmm. Farscape, which you know makes sense coming back for the for this, and yeah, so we ended season four with John and Aaron getting blown to tiny bits, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. on the water planet. Falling into the water. Yes. And where we open... So the opening of Peacekeeper Wars is an interesting one because we don't just go straight into the action. In fact, it opens with a sweeping pan of Moya. Like, the camera pans across slowly. And inside Moya, there's things that are on fire. There's debris. And it's dark. And we hear Aaron narrating, saying, You did it, John. The fighting has stopped. There's no more dying. And all of a sudden... Three is not such a scary number, but no matter how wonderful this is, I will not accept it as a trade-off for losing you. Yeah. And this is all like over this dark, dramatic, like slow panning across Moya. It also pans over John lying there, eyes open on a table, well, on a bed. Yeah, so it's an interesting open. It seems to be like we're not sure what's really happening at that point. And then as soon as that scene is done, we cut to space and there's a planet with a big ring system. And there's a whole fleet of Scarron Dreadnoughts because we've seen these before. Yeah, we've only ever seen one of them before in like one shot. So this is kind of cool because it starts out on one and then it pulls back and then there's loads of them. Yeah, there's an entire battle fleet and just moving. And then out from the rings comes up a command carrier almost like a shark going up yeah. like, and then uh, more squadrons of peacekeeper ships come in mm-hmm. and then they begin firing and there's just this all-out big cgi battle which for the time actually doesn't look yeah, too it looks bad really good it aged well this is like their tv movie like miniseries budget went into yeah. this you know they're like oh the cgi budget went up oh yeah 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 and i i actually really like because it and there's no dialogue, it's just, we see the Scarron ships, we see yeah. the Peacekeeper ships, they start firing all over the, there's the ring system, and in fact, the Peacekeeper fighters and marauders shoot at a Scarron Dreadnought, which sends it crashing down into oh, the rings, yes. and then the impacting with the ice and rock, it blows up, and it just d- gets destroyed, and, and on the explosion, the title's Farscape, the Peacekeeper Wars come in, and it's like, oh, we're starting off with a bang. Yeah. It's it's made to feel like a big deal, you know, this isn't just the opening of episode 24 or whatever, you know. At the same time, the music that plays at this point is very somber. Mm. It's like, this is not some heroic moment, this is a tragic inevitability. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we open on the titles. And then that fades out. And because this is a TV movie, essentially, there isn't a, you know, my name is John Crichton, I'm an astronaut. Nope. You know, there's no ti- none of that. It just, we fade to the next scene. Which we, we've actually had the names of the actors fade in during this. As you would normally see on like the opening of a movie or mm-hmm. TV show. And then we cut to the next scene, which is Underwater. Under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Just you and me. Dun, 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 Just dun, dun. a lot of fishes and... Oh, God, in the Hynerian. <laughs> yeah. So it's like some shallow seas and there's a bunch of sand and rocks. And then we see Rigel diving around. And it's CGI Rigel, which has, we've seen once or twice. It's This CGI is not as good, but it's improved since the last time we saw it. I him. was going to say, this CGI is... Fine. It's okay. It does like, the job. The previous CGI Rigels have been bad. They've been really bad, yeah. This one's like, yeah, no, this works. This is fine. Yeah. And he's going along and like scooping up 
from the sand little crystals putting them in his mouth mm-hmm. he sees one on a rock goes over grabs it then there's also a little fish that floats by and then he eats that as well quickly turns around eats the fish and like no nemo <laughs> it actually does it is, does look like a clownfish so yeah <laughs> well it looks like a clownfish it's it's an alien planet probably isn't a clownfish that's why they couldn't find nemo <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he was shot through a wormhole to a distant galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I want that fanfic on my desk <laughs> in the morning. So yeah, but he he goes up to the surface and then we actually see from above we see Rigel's puppet come up out of the water mm-hmm. and there's a small boat slash raft there and Dar goes there and grabs him and like puts him as like I've got you. Here you go. Always happy to help a dominar. Naranti is also there. And then there are two alien people there as well, in robes. Their faces look familiar, in a way. Yeah, they have the lines and uh, crisscrossing lines over their face that the same people who shot Aaron and John into pieces had at the end of Bad Timing. Okay. I think I know what happened. But... Yeah, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> also... Dargo has a new wardrobe change, right? Yeah, he does. He has a slightly different jacket. It's it's the same, like, bright red. You know, that's his... Mm-hmm. Clearly, that's his colour. That works for him. Brings out his eyes. But it's a bit more padded, and the shoulders have, like, little spikes. It's studded. Not really studded, that's the word, yeah. Like like you might see on, like, a punk jacket, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, yeah, it looks pretty good. I like that it's a bit more padded, and... Because he had a set of, like, bright red clothes before that was a bit thinner, and this is, this is nice. So, yeah, he grabs Rigel, pulls him up, and then Rigel is complaining, of course. He's like, oh, so often I've complained of having a belly full of Crichton and Aaron. Never thought it would be so literal. Ha, ha, ha. And then... He, he just throws up into a bucket. It out. Yeah, and Naranti's sifting through the pieces like... Aaron? John? Just tasting each one of them. Yeah, and then separating them into two different piles. Oh my god. Every piece of Aaron and John has been in Naranti's mouth. And Rigel's stomach. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. I would never stop bathing again. Yeah, exactly. And the alien says, like, what did you say their species were? He's like, uh, this is Crichton. He's a human. And this is Aaron. She's Sebation. <laughs> Definitely Sebation. <laughs> How do you know what Sebations taste like? That raises a lot of questions. <laughs> you cannibal monster. But so, yeah, then Rigel says like, he got it. He made sure he got everything. He sifted the sand himself. Look at my nails. Oh, oh, you'll get a manicure when we're back. And they, they say that, oh, the Leviathan is returning. And here comes their transport. Lower the concealment canopy. Yes. And we see like a, a horizon, like a shot of the, the big ocean and where there was nothing, there's like a shimmering thing. And we see that there's an island there mm-hmm. that wasn't before. And that's where they're headed on this little boat. And the transport pod flies overhead and heads that way as well. So, yeah, there's more to this planet than we realized the last time we were here in bad timing. But we'll find out more about that in a minute because we cut now to a command carrier. Yes. In fact, it's that, that scene we saw of the battle around that ringed planet. And the command carrier is being commanded by none other than our favorite villain, Scorpius. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Yep. 
Braka is also there, and also Sikozu is there. Sikozu's had a wardrobe change. She has. Well, the funny thing is her clothes actually didn't change that much. All that happened was that they are now black instead of orange. And she has a bunch of symbols tattooed on her spine. Yeah, and her hair is not, like, uh, long and curly. It's more like a punk, yeah. sort of, like, mo- not quite a mohawk, but, like, that pompadour style and there's a bit of extra eyeshadow. It's, like, it's not a face, mom. <laughs> exactly. No, I was like, it took me. A, it took me a few minutes. I was like, who is this? What? Holy crap! Is that Chikosu? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm officially on the bad guy's side now. I should probably get a wardrobe change. Yeah, might as well. I see you've been shopping at Evil Ink. Yeah. <laughs> I guess sale on black leather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Part of the peacekeepers now. Black leather comes standard. And so uh, Braca comes in and says to Scorpius, they've had more communications from Peacekeeper Strategic Command, Grand Chancellor Marek. Again, he yeah. says. And it's like, Scorpius, just pick up the phone. I know you can hear me, Scorpius. I know you, I know you can hear <laughs> the machine. Pick up the phone. I'm sorry, but we're going through a ton. I- we're going through a... a- Oh, <laughs> but Scorpy does pick up the phone and he says, Chancellor Marek. And then we like cut to another command carrier with Chancellor Marek. Now, quick question. Where have we seen Chancellor Marek before? He's been in the show before. He's oh. an actor who showed up. I thought his face was familiar, but I, no, I do not know. I do not know what we know him from. So this is uh, Lionel Haft, who played one of the Zenitan pirates. Way back in season two. Oh, yeah. He was the captain of the Zenitan Pirates. In, uh, he showed up in Liars, Guns and Money. And uh, part, you know, with friends like these and Plan B when yeah. they were getting everybody together. You remember he played, uh, I think it was Space Chess with Rigel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and he eventually started working for them after Rigel cut off Durka's head. Yeah, and I think he also shows up in the Flax as well, because that's when the Zenitans first show up. And, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's funny, it's another one of those things of Farscape reusing actors. Uh, <laughs> huh. But anyway, he's playing Grand Chancellor Marek in this case, and Marek is really upset. He's like, where in the head of my orders did you find a phrase preemptive attack? What are you doing? Oh, Scorpius has been naughty. But Scorpius like, listen, he's like, listen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the Scarans were the Scarans were they were preparing for an onslaught which we all knew was coming and there's a conflict we couldn't win so if we fight them now before they're ready we stand a chance we knew this was going to happen grand chancellor is angry is like now they've declared war on us the last battle of our age has begun that's not why i sent you out there well, yeah, he says, I sent you to gather surveillance, and Scorpius says, With all due respect, sir, I was sent here to perish at the vanguard of this conflict. I'm not going to play by their rules or yours. So stick it up your ass. Uh, but yeah, then Marek's like, Well, this is now you've incited a war, and you know what this means. This is the last war we're ever going to fight. But again, like Scorpius, like, Scorpi figures, a war with the Scarens is inevitable. Might as well get what advantage you can get out of it. Yeah. So then we cut away to Kujaga, the water planet, and the transport pod lands down on the surface of the hidden island. Yeah, basically at the docks. Yeah, and we see like there is actually like an exterior uh, set of like some docks, some crates, you know, fairly bare bones sort of thing. Dargo runs up to the transport pod, and Chiana jumps out, leaps out, like right into his arms, 
Yeah. She has... Uh, it took me a moment. It's like, hang on. Th- those are not her regular contacts. No, because she's had new eyes installed to fix her blinded Implanted. ones. Implanted. Hang on. She's not a machine. Well, okay. But they have vertical pupils. They're more like a cat's eye. Which fits Chiana's aesthetic. Yeah, it I does feel. a bit, actually. And so she comes out, jumps into Dargo's arms, and Stark comes out. It's like, yes, we found a diagnosis. And it... Uh, Put the eyes in Chiana, and then... Starks is shaved, by the way. Yes, his his hair is back to the, the shorter, mm-hmm. like, very, like, close crop that we're used to. And then the and then the diagnosis comes out of the pot. No, it doesn't come out. Stumbles out. Falls <laughs> out. Like, the diagnosis is wearing, like, a brown coat and, mm-hmm. you know, different clothing to the other ones we've seen. And it, lo- it looks more sort of, like, rough and ready, really. And drunk. A little bit, yeah. And then somebody else comes out of the pod. It's... Okay, I wasn't... I was quite surprised by this. So was I. It's Grunchlick of all people. That I live and breathe to see this guy again. Remember, last time we saw him was Season of Death. Yeah. Which is, you know, end of uh, Season 2. As far as we knew, pretty convincingly killed, but... No, actually, no. They put him in ice. Remember? Yeah, he yeah. was put in ice. And, yeah, he comes out, he's actually got a little beard now as well. Uh-huh. It's got, like, twin, like, ponytails in it, almost. And he's still played by Morton Joe. Yes, he is. Still the same actor. And the same Grunslick we saw. I was like, why bring him back, of all people? But I, he does, he's a good character. I was going to say, wait, you weren't happy to see him story-wise? Because I was. I was surprised. But then he comes down, and it's like, oh, all right, wait. And all right. <laughs> Dargo's like, what's wrong with the diagnosis? And then Grunchlick says, nothing wrong with him, he's fine. It's like, thought you were dead. It's like, no, not me, hardly at all, I'm fine. He's less gross, actually, these days. A little bit. Still kind of gross. Yes. So now we cut inside a building on this island, and the diagnosis is now piecing together Aaron and John. So there's like a, there's a central chamber, there's maybe like, there's like a small fountain, and there's also this apparatus that has like a, a field like a energy field inside it which is holding the crystals in position like they're being built up into roughly the shape that john and aaron were in when they got shot yeah and the diagnosis putting the bits in and naranti is saying be careful that's that's people's lives and yeah, just don't start waving your hands through that dargo's like this better work Grunstick's like well uh, you're lucky to have him diagnosis a premium now there's a war on what a war and yeah and chiana fills him in that yeah now the peacekeepers and scarans have officially declared war and what that means is it's going to be a galaxy-wide war dar's like do the peacekeepers know what they got themselves into and grunchick says well they didn't have a choice from the scarans but yeah it's a big mo it's dargo's like yo this is a big deal galaxy-wide war so then we cut back to the battle with Scorpius's uh, fleet. Yeah, because they've engaged a new group. Another bunch of Scarans have come in, assaulting the command carrier. And Sokoz is like, ah, well done. They've been drawn into our trap. And so Scorpius tells Braca, who's commanding a, a squadron of fighters, to go in and begin their attack run. Poor Braca. <laughs> Sukosu takes his place, and now he has to fly with the fighters. Red 5 standing by. Uh, like, oh, Red 5 standing by. I used to be a commander. <laughs> but then, you know, they go in, their targeting will be off because of the magnetics from the rings, and they go in and they do their attack run, mm-hmm. and, you know, Braca leads the attack, and, but, uh, you know, the, it's a successful attack, but the 
rest of the peacekeeper armada is taking heavy fire just a more battling going on by the way this is not regular Braca, but evil Braca because he has a little tiny bit of hair on, right under his bottom lip he has a soul patch yeah oh yes the soul patch <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Evil, this is evil Bracker. And he's had, like, the sides... He's got a bit of shaved down the side of his head, so his hair's a bit spikier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, the only one who doesn't look any different is Scorpius. He looks a bit paler. I don't think that's possible. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> so then we cut back down to Kujaga, back down to Aaron and John being put back together. And so they put the final bit of the crystal in, and one of the uh, crisscrossed aliens, whatever, flips a switch... And the big pulse of energy goes through the crystals several times. In the few, first few pulses, it seems like it's becoming more of a hole, those crystals. And then one final one, they're back, still in the same point, making out when they left. What I love is that the, the, they're still kissing, and then they mm-hmm. sort of turn and look and like, immediately draw their guns and yeah. point them at people. Like, in sync, draw, draw their pistols, point them at people. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dark's like, okay, okay, calm down, everybody, calm down. Put your weapons down, the uh, the aliens say. And Crichton just looks at Dargo's like, how long? Two months. Yes, it's been 60 solar days. So 60 days? Yeah, some amount of time has passed, which helps because it lets all this stuff, you know, the peacekeeper scar and conflict escalate and mm-hmm. all these other things happen in between. But yeah, they're like, where are we? Say planet you were uh, shattered on. And again, the aliens are like, put the, put your weapons down. And Crichton's like, looks at Dargo again, like, are these bad guys? Yes. No. They help put you back together, but they also put, pulled you into pieces. Uh, it was an accident. It was an accident, yeah. And then the aliens are like, last warning. And then John and Aaron, like, looking around and then just... Eventually, they they drop they like release the weapons and put them down. And then John asks Aaron, like, "Okay, wow, sixty days. You have any? Re- you said yes, right?" He's like, "Yeah, I did." He's like, "You got any regrets?" Like, no, it's going perfectly. <laughs> it's going really well. <laughs> uh, it's great. And then John, they're being led off, and John like shouts back to Dargo and Chance, like, "We're getting married!" And like, "Congrats." I was like, ah, there you are, Farscape. Good to have yes, you Yes, I, I did like, like, especially, like, Aaron's bit of like, no, it's going really well. <laughs> it made me laugh. Because until this point, it's been all been very serious, and it's like, they're not going to forget the humor, right? Nope, there it is. They're right. We're good. <laughs> so back aboard the command carrier, Braca is back on deck, and he's telling Scorpius that, uh, you were right, they were no match for our attack. We crippled the, uh, crippled one of them. And Scorpius is like, well done. Okay. Oh. Wait a minute. My spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> exactly. I sense a disturbance in the force. That was the other one I was going <laughs> to go for. <laughs> and he's like, prepare to withdraw. And Braca and Sikos are like, wait, what? So we're winning. It's like, yeah. tell the others to fire to cover our retreat. They will remain here. We are leaving. And everyone's like, yeah, but without the command carrier, I mean, they don't say it out loud, but they're going to get their asses kicked. Well, actually, that's Sokoji does say that out loud. It's like, without the command carrier, everything else will be destroyed. And Scorpius like, you have your orders. And Braca keeps objecting, so Scorpius grabs him by the neck and like, like, okay, okay. Yes, sir. That's it. But then he walks over to Sokozu, and Scorpius says, he's alive. He also picks her up and puts her on the table. I was like, okay, so, yeah, so they're still close. Yeah, but he says, he's alive. John Crichton is alive. 
How do you know? Oh, I know. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so now we cut back to uh, Kujaga. And so the aliens are talking to John. So there are two aliens. There's a male one and a female one. Kata mm-hmm. and we don't actually have the female's name. She's, I think she's referred to as High Priestess later. Yeah, we'll, we'll call her High Priestess. And before we go into the scene, now I feel like you will have recognized who played the High Priestess. Very Holy recent. shit! There we I go. I thought you showed up somewhere else. Nope. This is the nurse who was aboard the Scarron ship. I thought she showed up later in the in pretty much the same role, but that's not true. <laughs> Holy crap. That is the nurse. Well, compliments to her acting, I guess. If I didn't notice what was staring me in the face. I've watched these scenes twice now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's very prominent in this first half. Yeah, she is. She's and um, this is the actress Sandy Gore. She played uh, Nurse Verena was the the nurse's name and she's playing the the high priestess of uh, these aliens in this. Again, like Peacekeeper Wars is reusing quite a few people. But anyway, basically the male alien Qatar says to John's like, "Okay, one more time. Begin again." And John's like, "Okay, fine, for the 89th time. Did you catch that? 89th is very specific." Because it, this is the 89th episode of Farscape. Yes, right, because you're right. This is episode 89. Yes, yeah. indeed. And because of the way I've numbered the, the podcast, this is also episode 89. We've kept up with that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, nice. Yeah. I missed that, actually. That's good. Second time I heard him say that, I was like, 89. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Every <laughs> That's a very particular number. This is the 89th time. He's going to tell this story. Yeah, and so John launches into a very, like, abbreviated, like, history of Farscape. And it's like, starts out, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's like, no. once upon a time, there was a boy named John. John was an astronaut, and he lived in a faraway place called Earth. And one day, a big wormhole gobbled him up and spat him out the other end of the galaxy. Yeah. And the, this whole time, you know, there are clips of mm-hmm. uh, from the show. And this is like a nice way to kind of get people back on board. You know, it's a quick recap for anybody who wasn't paying attention. And also for anybody who might have been dragged into this not yes. having seen the series. Like, okay, you'll miss a lot of things, but here are the bare essentials. Yeah, and so he then mentions, you know, hooking up with his dream girl, Aaron, which the, the clip for that is, yeah. is from the first episode where she punches him out. Yeah, that was hilarious. great. It's like, his dream girl kicks his ass. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, we get chased all over the galaxy by the bad guys who do a lot of horrible things to us, and then this time we fight the Scarens, and then, oh, they're big and scary, and then we limp away, we end up on your planet, we figure no one's going to bother us, and then, wibbly lines, wibbly lines, explosion, we're reduced to tiny pieces, and now we're back together again. End of story. And then both the aliens look at him like, what? Just confused, like, still. Well, what's, what's hard to follow about that? I was going to say, this is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I like that it's John, like, telling it in his own, you know, his his particular way. So that that's a nice bit of recap to get everybody up to speed. And, yeah. So then we cut away to Marek's command carrier. And he's, you know, reading reports and looking at battle strategies. And one of his men says to him, like, Scorpius has powered down his homing beacon. His craft has... His carrier's left the fleet and he's. We don't know what he's doing. We can't track him and we can't reach him. Yeah, and the High Chancellor says, Okay, here's a new order. Anybody find that thing again, shoot it down, destroy it. No hills, no warnings. I don't care. And in the background, suddenly we see another familiar face. Well, first we see a 
pregnant belly. Yes, like a belly enters frame. Yes. And then we pan up or cut up to seeing that it's actually Commandant Grazer. Oh, Grace. Also, whose baby is that? Yeah, so, Uh-oh. okay. So this is a case of, like, uh, real life getting involved in uh, the production because... So this is, of course, again, this is Rebecca Riggs playing Grazer and... This isn't a special effect. Rebecca Riggs was this pregnant during filming. <laughs> and so they kind of try and work it into the story in little ways uh, throughout uh, Peacekeeper Wars. But mm-hmm. And when we say she's pregnant, she is heavily Hella pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, there's no, there's no denying it at all. It's like, no. this, that's a big, big baby bump. Like like we said, it enters frame before the rest of her. <laughs> yes, like, <laughs> it does. I mean, that's how they shot it, but... Yeah. Nonetheless, that still made me go, hang on, whose baby is that? Yeah, they do, like... Uh, they d- it never gets mentioned. We'll talk about it more in some some scenes, because I feel like it's, like, subtext and hinted at whose baby mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Grazer comes in and tells Marek that Scorpius is many things, none of them good, but he's not a coward. But Marek's convinced that, no, okay, he started this war and now he's turned and run. So how do you define cowardness? Yeah, well, his hatred of the Scarences is one consistent trait. And Marek's still like, it's fine, my order stands. Yeah, but Grazer's like, well, there must be something else going on here. He wouldn't just run away from a battle with the Scarens. But yeah, Marek's like, I don't care. Shoot him down. Yeah, probably has a good reason. He still deserted this post. Cost me an entire battle fleet. So now we cut back to Kujaga and the Diagnosen and Grunslick. Well, Grunslick is standing sort of in the front, pocketing a few things. Oh, that's what he was doing. God damn. Of like, course he was. Slip that in there. But the Diagnosen's examining Aaron because she said she didn't feel well. Yeah. Or felt different. And Crichton's like, what? Good different? Bad different? Like, I, I just feel different. Okay. Well, anyway, whatever happens, you are the most important thing to me now. The first sign of a Ferengi, we turn tail and run, ask questions, never. You're the most important thing. My one concern my li- in my life is you and our baby. And the diagnosis chirps up, and then you see Grunchlick in the foreground go, Oh. Uh, you sure about that? He turns around like, What do you mean? Doc doesn't know what you're talking about. There is no baby. What?! And the, what? It's like, no, I, I was pregnant. I was definitely pregnant. And it's like, well, okay. He says you never were preggers. If there was a baby before, there isn't one now. I was pregnant. She was pre- She was pregnant. Was she pregnant? You were pregnant, right? Yeah, so yeah, we would, she was definitely pregnant. She's about to just basically <laughs> punch the diagnosis out of, out, out of anger. Yeah, but then Crichton like, grabs her and it's like, wait, wait. We were in pieces, thousands of pieces at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Anything could have... Oh, crap. And they, they go quickly to Dargo. Okay, Dargo, what happened? And Dargo's sitting at, like, a table, like, eating some food. And he's like, well, Rigel said he got every piece off the ocean himself. Yeah, he even swallowed them to make sure that uh, that they wouldn't, uh, that he wouldn't drop them. Oh, quickly, oh. and we cut to, and I love Rigel. this. Rigel! <laughs> Rigel! And we cut to Rigel laying on, on the same bed everyone's lying on, and yeah. uh, Grunchlick saying, oh, congratulations, you're a mama! <laughs> it's like, just, what? Aaron, <laughs> Charlie, oh no. Oh god, no, this is not happening. And Grunchick says, don't worry, the baby's doing just fine in there. And Crichton grabs him and is like, you take the baby out of him, you put it in her. And Rigel trips in, yeah, yes, get it out of me. And John, I've never seen John so angry as he leads it. It's not an it. 
<laughs> Rigel's response is fantastic. It's like, fine, I want this miracle of life, the frell out of me. <laughs> and so the, but the diagnosen won't, won't do it because saying that it's, it's too dangerous. Like it's too small and fragile. Mm-hmm. The end of the first quadmester, we can take it out. Okay. And Rigel's like, first quadmester, get me a drink. You're not drinking. You're pregnant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. We're back again. Like, here's Farscape. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah Rigel's pregnant. <laughs> I have this here. I have it in my notes. Ah, there's the Farscape humor drama combination. <laughs> Along with weird shit happening. The baby's gone. Oh, no. It's in the tiny little annoying crew member. Wow. That's a twist. <laughs> also, I have to say this. Not a pregnancy's work. If he'd swallowed them, the baby would be in the wrong spot. (laughs) It's not how any of this works. Putting people back together from being crystallized, that's ridiculous. I'll accept that, depending on the weapon they used. And and apparently, Rigel was too close to the decrystallization process. The baby was also decrystallized. Just accept it. (laughs) I like, that's fine. It's it's way funnier. I just realized, like, hang on, then, being in in, in his stomach, that's not where a baby lives. Yeah. So, uh, everyone is now sitting around eating in this settlement. Chiana says, hey, so the the gnarl, which we figured out now is gnarl is like slang for baby. Uh-huh. It's in you. How does it feel? It's like, like having a parasite. <laughs> and then one of the uh, locals comes over, gives them some food and like rudely like brushes them or like pushes them away. John's like, okay, what do we do to piss these people off? It's like, uh, nothing. They're just paranoid. And then Stark comes in. Stark's so like, oh, yo, no, no, they're scared. I talked to them, they're scared. What are they scared about? Oh, they're too scared to talk about what they're scared about. Yeah, I was like, okay, fine. Thank you, Stark. Thank that you. helps a lot. Great. Daga says, okay, well, we shouldn't stay any longer than we have to. That'll only make it worse. But Crichton says, well, if we go beyond the concealment canopy, we're flying into a war zone yeah. out, out there in space. We should probably try to stick here if we can. But they probably won't be happy about it. And Crichton says, so they're like, well, what do we do in the meantime? And Crichton looks around and is like, we get married. Yeah, we just get married. What? Yeah, yeah. We, get, we get married. Yeah. Ooh, actually, during this eating scene, we also oh, see right, yeah. Chiana looking at the gun of one of the guards. And she sees, like, energy swirling around in it. It's like, oh. Must be the fancy new eyes. Yeah. But yeah, right. Time to check in with the Scarens. Now... We see a bunch of Scarron Dreadnoughts, and then we see a different Scarron ship, slightly smaller than the Dreadnoughts. Very spiky. Yeah, it's very pointy. It's got like like a sleek body, but then at the front there are three prongs that come out the front, and mm-hmm. there are some, some more spikes in the middle of that. Yeah. And uh, we cut inside, and we see inside it's all like silver and chrome and... Very whitish also. Yeah, display boards of, you know, tactics and things. And we see War Minister Arkner and Emperor Starleek. They've had upgrades, the makeup. Yeah. And I like them both. Uh, I feel like Starleek is mostly the same. I noticed yeah. it more on Arkner. She's got a slightly smoother, more even makeup over her face. And different uh, new spots on the outfit is new. Yeah, no, Arkner's definitely mostly changed. Starleek is roughly the same, but I like the texture on his on his face and his neck mm. is more detail. It's yeah. less, it feels less plastic and more actually like a face. What I like about the design of this ship, so he's sitting in a command chair, which is a big, like, 
circular thing that that rises up almost like a like a shell behind him, and it's of course it spins around. Yeah, you know? so, so Mr. Bond, appear. I've been expecting you. Um, <laughs> but because this is all like bright silver, then he really stands out against it yeah. as like it, in his red jeweled you know emperor's gear, mm-hmm. which I like uh, that contrast. But yeah, so he turns around. Arkner tells him that. They've received a deep space comm from an unexpected source with an unexpected message. It's about John Crichton, and the sender knows where he is and knows that the peacekeepers don't have him yet. Oh. Is your source correct? As in, is it reliable? And she says, yes, of course. Impeccable. And Starlink says, hmm, send a full battle contingent. And how can I was like, what, for one man? Not for the man, for the knowledge he possesses. So everybody's coming to dinner. Huh. So now we go back to Crichton and the others, and he's talking to the uh, the high priestess, and he says, you know, it's very generous of you to uh, perform the ceremony, marry us. And she says, well, it's the first time I've presided over the Union of Soldiers. Oh, we're not soldiers. No, no, no. In fact, he's the only one carrying a gun, pointing to the guy behind them. And uh, he says, well, anyway, your petition to remain on the planet's been denied, and once the ceremony's done, you're all leaving. Okay, fine. And Crichton's like, well, who are you, who are you hiding from? Everyone. Mm, and he gets a bit standoffish with that guy. So then the high priestess gets to the front of this... Uh, it is like a large open chamber. There's a, there's a central like path down the middle. There are some columns on either side and a fountain at one end. But so then yeah, Crichton and the others are there. <laughs> Actually, Darko's there as well. Oh, he's so nervous. He's so nervous. He comes in and it's like, are you okay, John? Like, are you nervous? Like, are you calm? I've heard the, the, the key to these things is to remain calm. Are you calm? Is, are you okay? It's like, I'm fine. I'm fine, D. You, you stand here. Chiana, you stand over here. Stark is just hovering over, over John Schultz. Like, no, back, Stark, back. Well, because Stark ran in saying, like, Aaron's coming, Aaron's coming, the bride, she's coming. Mm-hmm. And then, like, right, okay, here she comes. And Naranti is in front throwing, like, flower petals in front yeah. of her. And you know, what I appreciate is that Erin doesn't have like a stupid like wedding dress or whatever. Nope. She's just wearing her peacekeeper trench coat. Yeah, but uh, and it has a flower in her hair. Yeah, it's a nice little concession to that. And she's walking in and there's a lot of very nice, you know, peaceful music being played over yeah. it. And then she she comes up next to John and he says, oh, you look beautiful. You owe me, <laughs> she says. And then the High Priestess says, is there a particular invocation you'd like me to use? Oh, oh, yeah. Um, dearly beloved. Dearly beloved. And she, you know, repeats back. We are gathered here today. Underneath this beautiful... Beautiful looks up. The, a shadow comes over them. And we look up to the sky and we see out of the clouds a command carrier. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron says, command carrier. And everyone's like, ah, oh, crap, hide. How do they know where we are? The canopy's up. What? Ah, run. Because somebody betrayed them. John grabs Stark. Stark, Naranti, convince them that we didn't do it. We, we didn't do it. And I like that Stark just walks after them. It's like, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We didn't it's do it. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're all going inside, you know, to an inner chamber and hiding, going into their temple. And so, uh, Dargo, Crichton, and Aaron are going to meet whoever lands from the command carrier. And then, as the others are going into the inner sanctum, uh, Naranti looks at the walls and is like, wait, no, I know this. Why do I know this? Oh, and gets dragged inside. Mm -hmm. And also, at this point, I noticed that Naranti also had a little bit of a change on her makeup. 
Yeah, I was, it was a bit more subtle and noticeable in certain scenes rather mm. than others. True. It was it was most noticeable in this scene. Yeah. And so also, Aaron has grabbed Chiana. It's like, go find Rigel, hide him, guard him with your life. Yeah, he has my baby. And so a small a marauder comes down from the command carrier and heads towards where they are. Yeah. I like that John, as John, Aaron, and Dargo step out, John's like, come on. Want to bet who it is? He's like, you know who it's going to be, don't you? <laughs> like, come on, D- Dargo, how much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? Dargo's like, no, no, you're on your own, friend. And so also, as they're rushing into the inside, once they get inside the inner bit of the the sanctum, Naranti looks around and realizes, like, Eidolons, you're Eidolons. That's why I know this. Yeah, and the high priestess says, yes, we are. Huh. Now we cut back out to the, the ship landing. It lands, and out from the the entrance ramp comes we see well it, it drops down and there are like three landing legs mm-hmm. and from one of those a door opens and it's just sakozu and scorpia standing there dramatically and john's like all right d pay up it's like easy money <laughs> and scorpius of I, course I was... <laughs> goes oh i love this hello john sorry if this is a bad time i was just thinking as this happened it's like oh great this is like every wedding. It's the horrible uncle who gets drunk and you really wish yeah. wish wasn't at the wedding. It's like, we didn't invite you. It's like, but yeah. I came anyway. <laughs> exactly. So he steps out and says, we need to talk. And Crichton uh, walks up and is like, how the hell do you know where I am? How the hell did you find me? And Scorpy just taps his head and is like, oh. And we see John and it flashes inside John's head. Yeah, and he's like, has a cup of tea. He's like, Pfft. Harvey? Harvey? And we are inside like a like a professor's office at like a university, a study. And uh, Harvey is in front of two big blackboards. And Harvey is wearing a suit and has big like white hair and a moustache. He's like, I would prefer to be called Albert. <laughs> it's like, no, evil sidekicks living in my head get called Harvey. Now what's happening here? It's like, I like that little, that little bit of dialogue again is something to catch people up. Invisible psychics who live inside my brain get called Harvey. Yeah. It's like, that's that's who this guy is. Yeah, now you know what's happening. Also, I like that there's a little picture of Albert Einstein above the school board. Well, yeah, he points up. It's like, I prefer to be called Albert. Okay, Harvey, how the hell did Scorpius find me? <laughs> and Harvey, Harvey, this whole time, is putting on like this really bad like Austrian-German accent. Yeah. It's like, you know, Scorpius is like God. He does not play dice with the universe. His answers may be complex and they may be revealed if you give him what he wants. The proper tribute. And also, the blackboards are filled with equations and Scorpius, mm. like, or Harvey's writing on them. And there are a few good little Easter eggs. One of the equations is E equals MC Hammer. <laughs> I missed that. Ah, it's good. <laughs> oh, that's very good. And But John's like, okay, so he wants... He wants wormholes. Then, then Harvey says... Yes, and he drags the chalk across the chalkboard and it becomes like a, a screen showing a wormhole. It's like, yes, yes the wormhole. Or in your case, the wormhole weapon! Yeah, and he, and he just points his hand towards mm, it. What he's doing is he's doing the Doctor Strange love bit because this gets referenced by John. Of It is a Nazi salute, but he like drags his arm down like, Nyeh. yeah, both scared of what his arm did. And also I'm assuming the wormhole weapon image that appears yeah. on the blackboard. And that is a reference to Doctor Strange love, which John calls out. It's like, all right, Strange love, what do you want? Because that was, you know, the, the character of Doctor Strange love would occasionally break into that in the movie. <laughs> okay. And like, no, must, must, because in the movie, he was like an ex- 
Nazi scientist, you know, working. And he's like, nope, don't do that anymore. Bad reflex, bad reflex. Yeah, basically. And But so, yeah, he says, yes, Scorpius wants the wormhole weapon. And John's like, well, look, I can find wormholes, I can navigate them, but I cannot make a wormhole weapon. And he crosses out the thing. Yeah, he crosses it out, which means he's basically ripping the image apart and the chalkboard underneath reappears again. It's like ripping paper off. Yeah. Really cool. And Harvey says, like, that is true, but you do know where to get the knowledge. Yes. Ah, he does. And then John John starts writing on the blackboard again. It's like, make sure he gets this message. And he <laughs> drops the piece of chalk and walks off. Part of the words are obscured by Harvey, but it's very clear that it just says, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, oh. Make oh. and. John says, make sure he gets that message. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back, we jump back out of John's head. And Scorpius is like, how have you been? <laughs> You're right, you know, just catching up. How have you been, John? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, great. Busy. You've been busy too, huh? Business has been booming. Yeah. But Scorpius says, you know, the scans will prevail in this war unless you help me build a wormhole weapon. <sighs> no. Okay, first of all, I can't. Second of all, I don't think the peacekeepers are any better than the Scarens, so I don't care. Figure it out yourselves. But Scorpius says, you know, you're not going to find any serenity in this conflict, John. Examine your choices. But John just keeps, like, shutting him down, saying no. Yeah, he basically says, you have to make wormhole weapons, John. And John says, read my lips. Wormholes, no. Weapons, no. Killing, no. Crichton, no. Yeah. And now we get another flash of that destroyed version of Moya. Yeah. We see, again, the similar sweeping panning shots. John lying on a bed, injured. And we hear Crichton's voice this time saying, you want to see it? You want to see the wormhole weapon? Yes. And you hear Scorpy replying, pretty please. Pretty please with a cherry on top. And then, happy birthday. Now get out of my sight. And then it, yeah. then it flashes away again. What's that all about? We don't know at this point. So then Dargo has gone to the uh, inner sanctum mm-hmm. to see how everybody's doing. Opens up the door and Stark is there. It's like, Dargo, Eidolons, peace, building. And Dargo just flicks out his tongue and Stark falls over. Okay, Naranti, what's happening? Well, it's the exact same line both times, because Naranti says the same thing. Yes. And it's Eidolon's jewel Arnesque piece. Oh, right, sorry. And this is important because it's it's Arnesque, like, way back beginning of season four. We'll get into that in a minute, because there is an exposition scene, actually, that fills people in on this. But then Dargo asks the High Priestess, like, what does this mean? What is going on? And she says, we are the last Eidolons. All the others were hunted to extinction. And our ancestors possess the means to influence peace, but we do not have that ability. This temple here was uh, modeled after the great temple at Arnesque that was lost, destroyed, its inhabitants slaughtered. Dar's like, yeah, about that. Uh, we've been there. We uh, reversed that. And she's like, what? And yeah, they did way back at the beginning of season four. What was lost? Part one, part two. Mm-hmm. That was all about Arnesque and the peace bringing, you know, races and the restoration of that temple. And yeah, I'm kind of surprised that this came back of all things as well. I thought we were done with that. Me too. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, they had four seasons of material to plunder for this movie. This is... Yes, it's true, yeah. Might as well grab what what you already have so you don't have to do much new world building. But so now it's time to catch people up because Naranti has some data that was recovered 
by Moya, and there's a little hologram that she's hologram thing she's using down on the planet. And uh, Naranti is showing like his here's the images we got, you know, some pictures, holograms of things from what was lost. Oh no. It's a slideshow, it's like here's what we did in our holidays. Click. Yeah, I was gonna say Naranti's showing them their holiday picture their pictures, and everyone's like, No, stop, makers, stop. But it's um uh, Aaron and Crichton are there, and it's funny because Naranti's like, as you know, pointing to John, it's like, except you, you weren't there. Well, that was back when John had just decided he loved you, and you were completely. And John's like, shut up, back to explaining. And I also like this, like, ah, yes, we have a character we can exposition to, so the audience knows yeah. without it make, being dumb. <laughs> but she basically fills in like, you know, they weren't dead, they were trapped in time. We reversed the thing; they're back. These eidolons are definitely descendants of them, mm-hmm. and. The ability to influence peace is latent in these Eidolons, but the ones back on our nest can do it and can maybe teach these guys how to. Yeah, we might be able to bring the Eidolons back. What did the Eidolons do? They bring peace. That's oh. the whole deal. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Convenient in the middle of war. It's, it can be useful. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now we see Crichton and Aaron walking through just uh, open courtyard, and <laughs> Crichton just says... Am I insane, or is the crazy lady starting to make sense? Aaron's like, yes, but I thought we were done. I thought we were leaving, running. But yeah, we were, but then <sighs> Scorpius, and if we run, he'll find us before we have our first cup of coffee. It's not our fight, John. It's like, I know, but as long as there's a war, everyone's going to be after me, because I'm the winner-take-all weapon guy. Every time we get involved. It's like, yeah, I know, people die. And then John asks Aaron, what are the odds of the Eidolon plan working? <laughs> not good. And then I love his response, which yeah, is... Yeah, me too. Not good is the best odds we ever get. Yeah. It is true. That That's yeah. the best odds they always work with. Very true. So then the transport pod goes back up to Moya, where the high priestess, Dargo Carter, who's the guy with the, the gun, the Eidolon with the gun. The, gu- the guy with the gun. That's who he was. He's that's the his, alien. I know, I know. He had it's the just, gun. With all these aliens that enact peace, he is... The guy with the gun. The yeah. weird one. <laughs> and another Eidolon called Pikal, a younger male Eidolon. And they've returned up to Moya with Dargo. And they're walking into Pilot's Den. And the High Priestess says, you know, you will take Pikal and Carter to Arnesk to, as an introductory delegation. And Dargo says, well, look, we can bring a lot more people. <laughs> Pikal says, as I have repeatedly tried to explain to you, High Priestess. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to go alone. Yeah, but uh, Carter says centuries of hiding don't go away so easily. We're skeptical of your motives. <laughs> Dargo's like, and that's just on our side, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes <laughs> it. It's awkward. <laughs> Not his best diplomatic moment. But then uh, the uh, high priestess steps towards Pilot and says, I know something of Leviathans and their pilots. They're peaceful to a fault. So the beings, you, the, the people on this ship, do you trust them? Implicitly. And say, so, well, in that case, I entrust Pikal and Carter to your care. Also, was it me or did Pilot's voice sound a little bit less modulated than normal? Yeah, it did. It was a little bit deeper and not as high-pitched. High the reason for that is a lot of the personnel and files that were like the, you know, the vocal filters that they would mm-hmm. put over Pilot... They didn't have they they lost those in between making uh, the series and Peacekeeper Wars, Aww. so they kind of had to recreate it, and it's it's a little bit noticeable that it that it is different. Yeah, you get over it quickly, but it, you the first time you hear his voice, like hang on, that sounds 
that sounds too much like Lanny Tupu. Yeah, it is, it is still Lanny Tupu voicing him, but just yeah. the, the effects they put over it are not exactly the same. Back down on the surface, Grunschlick, the diagnosing and Aaron, they're going over a, a, a procedure and a, a device that's going to yeah. help her out. It's like, okay, no, it's very, very simple, actually. You uh, take this, this end goes in him, this end goes in you. I transferred a baby, no problem. Well, the doc hasn't got all the bits, but you should have the other bits back aboard your ship. Yeah, it's fine. And like, Doc will leave you with detailed instructions. And Aaron's like, no, that's not acceptable. He's coming with us. Oh, no, no, no. Doc and me don't travel into um, Peacekeeper territory. Not Walls of War on. No, we've got a bit of a, a reputation. Hang on. Where did they get Chiana's eyes? Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't ask questions that you don't want to know the answer to. Fair point. And then Naranti actually is also there and says, oh, no, 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 the device, it's very elegantly designed. Anybody could use it. No, oh, no, this is very simple. I understand it perfectly. Here you go, Aaron, I'm staying here. <laughs> like, wait, what? What? Well, I know more about the Eidolon's ancient culture than they do, so I'll stay here with them to help them out. But who's going to do this? It's it's very simple. And But Aaron says to Grunch, like, can I do the procedure myself? It's like... No. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, I love Claudia Black's face throughout this scene. Yeah, She has, like, the emotions in Aaron's face goes, like, just the face of, what? What are you clowns talking about? And also, like, really? For God's sake, are you serious? Oh. But this is all, like, facial acting. Mm -hmm, Just like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it's it's all very good stuff. And a little hint of, of course, because this is my life. Yeah, exactly. So now uh, Crichton is, has returned to Moya and he's walking through one of the corridors and Scorpius and Sokoza are also there. And I like that John had the exact line I had when I saw them walk in. It's like, what the hell are they doing here? And Scorpius says, we weren't invited. And Dargo comes in. It's like, yeah, I, I asked him to come along. We need him. Dargo, we've talked about this. You do not invite people to other people's weddings. <laughs> but Dargo basically what he's explaining is that we're going through peacekeeper controlled space during a war he's a command carrier officer he knows all the codes we can use him to get through and I like that Scorpius says oh I, last time I even had, was commanding an entire battle group I was like yeah good for you but Dargo's like I'll keep him away from you and directs Scorpius and Sokozu into a uh, room it's like yeah. you in there Waves the door shut. I like that as John walks away, comes back, grabs Scorpius by the shoulder. Aaron, Rigel, off limits. Crichton's not happy about that, and I don't blame him. So Crichton and Dargo make their way back up to command, and uh, Pilot is telling them that... Well, I like that John comes in and is like, Hey, morning, Pilot. Moya looks beautiful today. It's very good to be back. It's like, ah, that was was also a little bit of Ben Browder in there. Yeah, I think so. And then Pilot says, I can get you to Arnesk by, we can refine the data from the databanks as we go. And I'm just finishing the, com- the calculations. Also, we've received a transmission, a hail from, uh, that uh, keeps ringing. I like that Dargo's like, okay, no, first Arnesk. Okay, everything's been locked in. We can leave at any point. And then Pilot's like, and that hail, Captain? Like, all right, fine, play it. <laughs> Who is it? But it's from the Royal Palace of Hyneria. And Pilot's like, it's from somebody called Bishan. What? This is another loose end. What? Yeah, this is Bishan, Rigel's cousin, who overthrew him in the first place. And why he's not 
you know, actually Dominar of Hyneria. So we cut to uh, Rigel's quarters where he's like swallowed in his bedclothes and Aaron mm-hmm. is actually sat next to him. And then there's a hologram of Bashan talking to Rigel. And what I like is that the hologram is clearly, it's a it's a CG Hynerian. And I, I'm, I bet they're happy that they could get that to work because when they worked with two Hynerian puppets before, it was reportedly a nightmare <laughs> because... <laughs> They're very intricate, very complicated, small puppets. That does not surprise me. But basically what Bishan is saying is the war has really messed things up for them. Yeah, Scarans have already grabbed the outer territories from the Hynerians. And what Bashar is hoping is that if Rigel comes back, that all their people will unite under the rightful ruler and they might have a chance of fighting them off. Yeah, you must come back. And then the transmission cuts off. And Rigel's like... Well, if he thinks I'm coming back to a shared throne, he's deluded. Aaron's like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be sleeping. Twists his ear, and he's like, some mother you're going to be. And she just looks at him and walks out. Gives him the look that if looks could kill, Rigel would have been shot. But And then Pilot's like, right, everybody, prepare for Starburst. And we have the the full like Starburst sequence, including yeah. the, the energy filling up from the bottom of the Pilot's chamber all the mm-hmm. way to the top. The extended like dragging out of the Moyer's rear you know uh, prongs and then the light enveloping moya and then boom off we go so uh we aboard moya the eidolons are kind of chilling out pikal is uh meditating looking out a window and chiana is uh coming up behind him it's like hey and then stark comes in and immediately gets on his knees it's like oh i'm so i'm very happy to be your presence and chiana just kicks him he's like what the hell are you doing and then uh, picard turns around and uh, stark says no 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 uh, eidolon's remarkable negotiators they can have a way to influence peace and and she's like well no the scarans can't be reasoned with and then picard says no they can be if we can do this. And he taps his head. We see his face open just like the first eyeliner yeah. we saw at the end of season four. It cuts into a close-up of like the animatronic rather than yeah, just yeah, yeah, the yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. And we see again the third eye in the middle. Although interestingly there are like two or four like, other eyes around it yeah. as well. There's like five eyes in there. And it's on like a little stalk that's moving mm-hmm. around. Chance like, did he propose to me right now? Is he propositioning me? I'm like, no, no, no. It's an antenna to feelings. And it closed back down, and Picard says, and we believe potentially more. Wait, so it gets bigger? No, but it does vibrate. <laughs> and I just love the look of... Oh, it's so good. That The look that Chiara and Stark share. It's like, Chiara's like, what? And Stark's like, oh. He's like, his eyes widen, his eye widens a bit. He's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... Well then. <laughs> but uh, Chiana's like, well, you, you think you, you can't do the trick anymore. <laughs> it's like, because they used to, basically they say, we used to be able to use it to create an energy field that let people see reason. But they can't do it, but they hope the other Eidolons can teach them how. So now we cut to uh, Rigel's chambers where Rigel's asleep. Oh, this is such a cute scene. And Aaron and Crichton are looking over him. <laughs> it's like there's just Rigel sleeping, lying there sleeping, snoring, and Aaron and John just... Their faces on their arms mm. on the bed, and just looking at his belly. It's like our child is in there. <sighs> of course, this is our life. What the hell? Yeah. And John, John just looks and he's like, "We need to get married. 
we need to get married now. But before any marriage is supposed to take place, it's time to cut to the command carrier again. And we cut to, in fact, Marek's quarters, his, you know, luxurious uh, high commander's quarters with a big bed and that uh, he's he's lying on the edge of it grazer's lying on it and he's feeling her baby bump yeah I'm like oh she kicked She'll, she's going to be strong so maybe it's to remind you that you're needed on the command deck says grazer and he gets up and he's like well there's nothing i can do we're outnumbered and outgunned and our population is adverse to hardship we've lost every battle since the start of the war i want to know what you think of a truce i think it's preposterous no 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 no. she says the scarens will never accept a truce only a surrender where did you learn that grazer who taught you that like i said i should have had t-shirts made hashtag scorpius was right yeah 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 yeah. she completely did like a 180 on like you know trying to bargain bargain with them but she says like a surrender is only an option when all is lost like well when is all lost yeah what are the signs and (laughs) she says Well, one of the signs of everything being lost is a military leader who broaches surrender. Which is, hold on a minute. (laughs) Hang on. Wait a second. That me going also is like scratching my head like, what? So, okay, surrender is only an option when all is lost. But if you broach surrender, that's a sign that all is lost. So you should, uh, don't worry about it. This is how circular logic right here. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. Basically, Grazer's like, never give up, never surrender. Right, so now it's time to check in with the other power couple in the galaxy. It's (laughs) Arkner and Starleek. Arkner is telling Starleek that Crichton has left the water planet and my contact has provided coordinates to their destination where he's trying to end this conflict. Then it must be wormhole weapons. Perhaps... We don't know, but Scorpius is traveling with them. Okay, well, let the battle fleet continue on its course. And then Akna asks, but what about the decimator? This decimator. Yeah, that's what this ship is. And he says, we will follow Crichton to settle old scores. So basically, there's going to be a fight between the Peacekeepers and the Scarans at the water planet. Yeah. At Kujaga, and then they're going to follow Crichton. Okay, great. Lovely. Fantastic. Great. Everything's fine. Yeah, what's the escort of uh, what's the escort of Scorpius? No, it's just Leviathan. Okay. So we cut back to Moya. There's a display in the uh, galley in the in the kitchen. Sikozu mm-hmm. is going around lighting candles with her little finger, which is on fire. Damn, Sikozu, that's metal AF. Yeah, and then she kind of licks it to put it out. Like, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I think so- I know how they did that effect. Even a lot in a lot of ways, you can just. Get some strong drink, light your finger on fire, and because the alcohol's burning, your finger doesn't really get hurt. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that, though. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. That's why you put it out. Like, Do not try this at home. The Fast Get no, Rewatch no, no, podcast no. does not endorse this... Uh, does not endorse you attempting this at home. Alright, moving, moving on. Again, do not try this at home. Do not attempt. We do yep. not endorse this. So, they, they light the candles for the display. Dargo and John are talking. Um, Dargo says, like, can you... Do you think the Eidolons can stop this war? They better. It's the only option we have. He takes a platter of cookies, sniffs them, is like... Ooh, hides them under the table. <laughs> and it's like, okay, otherwise we need to find a new galaxy to live in. Mm. And Dargo's like, well, I mean, if it doesn't work, can you... No, I cannot, Dargo, I cannot. So then um, Stark and Chiana come in dragging Rigel. Oh, actually, sorry, I made a mistake. They're not in the kitchen. They're actually up at command. So, sorry, yeah, they're up at command for this. And 
there's just the display is on one of the on the consoles. Yeah. And Raito's unhappy. He's like, I'm already carrying their baby. Now I need to marry them. What's next? They want to move in. <laughs> We've been living together for four years, but okay. But then he says, okay, okay, right. Let's uh, come grumbling. Then Erin pulls her gun on him. Yeah. It's like, you are ruining my wedding. And John goes up. It's like, honey, what? you're pointing a gun at the baby. She's like, oh, Oh. Right. Puts the gun away. <laughs> and Rigel looks at her like, hmm. And so John and Aaron stand together. The rest of them stand around, you know, a bit behind. Rigel's in front. And Rigel begins saying, you know, marriage is what brings us here. <laughs> That's Who not ever? what he does. No, he doesn't. Ah, no, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> God. I've been married for... 50, 60 women. No, 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 no. I actually, I quite like what he says because he says that I've known you two for four years. I've known you since you first met. At some times, you know, you couldn't stand each other. Others, we couldn't have kept you off each other with a fire hose. Yeah. That sounds like a marriage to me. And so by my power as a... Yeah, everybody just jumps away. Aaron just pushes John away. A giant grappling hook comes <laughs> through, through the, the ceiling. ceiling. Okay. It's just like, all right, we can't, this marriage isn't going to happen. Okay, so, got it. At the very end of the uh, of this whole thing, then they'll finally get married. Yeah, the GM is determined to make this not happen. It's just like, no, no. Okay, so, um, out of uh, nowhere, a, a grappling hook appears. <laughs> what, a small one? No, a giant one through the roof. So, actually, I have in my notes for what happened, like, this is kind of an example of Chandler's Law, which was a, uh, a basically a law of writing from uh, Raymond Chandler, who wrote uh, detective fiction, you know, mm. you know, noir detectives. And basically, his this, the quick summary is, when in doubt, have a man come through a door with a gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So it's really? like if things are getting boring, have somebody bust in and you know ki- you know start shooting up the place, and then you you know justify it. But this is it kind of felt a bit like that. It's like okay, we're in a nice slow scene. They're getting married. A grappling hook comes through the <laughs> ceiling, and then pirates attack. It's like Whoa. that's literally what. Holy shit! That's literally what happens. Yeah, they get attacked by space pirates because, and they use grappling hooks to come up. Bo- oh my god! Yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is. Why have they never done this before? <laughs> I was shortly going to think, why is this scene relevant? Now I realize, because they this is the last chance they were going to get for this. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Part of me also thinks it's like, this is this very much felt like a diversion of like, this is to keep the pacing going through, oh, yeah, the, epis- through the, the thing. Because what happens is, they make a run, you know, they're trying to figure out what's happening, and uh, Aaron grabs Rigel, tells him to go hide, everybody else get ready, there's an assault coming in. There are, there's a Tragen ship pulling them in with grappling hooks. Scorpius is walking through. Basically, they do a bit of a power, like, walk and talk as they set their plan yeah. going. Everybody walking through the corridors. It's like, are they are, are they working for the peacekeepers? Almost certainly. Yeah, there are at least seven three-man craft approaching us. Sikosa says it'll be over in half an hour. They'll go for pilot. They'll try to take him out and also Moy's vitals. Either win or lose, this ends in half an hour. And so Aaron is kind of directing the tactics. It's like, okay, Sikosa, Chiana, go find Pical and Katar. Keep them safe. John's like, right, I'm going to go... Uh, that's right, he's going to go take Scorpius to 
talk to them since they work for the peacekeepers maybe he can get them through it, it says if his do- codes don't hold up you better have an outstanding plan b yeah and like dargo's going with aaron you know to provide firing support and stark's like well what can i do what can i do and aaron says how can you help best and then there's like a, it's a brief cut in the music there's a, a, a silence in the music I can stay out of the way. Right, good. It's like, hmm. And then they walk off and the camera kind of stays on Stark as he looks around. It's like, oh, and goes to hide. <laughs> I just love, I I credit to the composer because he composed it in such a way that there was like that whole scene, the whole that whole stuff. And then there's like one moment of quiet so that he could, yeah. Stark can say, I can't stay out of the way. And then the music picks up again. It's like just enough room for the gag. A lot of time it's like the music is edited and composed to the, to the scene. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why I'm, as I was saying, it's like well done on that, mm. uh, on the composer putting it there because it works perfectly. So uh, Scorpius and John are going to uh, talk to the Trogons who are coming in to attack them. And Scorpius says, it may not go as smoothly as uh, as you had hoped. Why? What do you mean? Do you leave on bad terms? My departure from Peacekeeper Service was less than sanctioned. What does that mean? Oh, we'll find out soon. But there's a Peacekeeper and some aliens coming in. It's like, we're about to find out. I also like the a little bit earlier in the scene as they walk. Uh, Scorpius is like, I don't really think this is a good idea, John. What, you don't do improv? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good line. So we have the Tragans and a couple of peacekeepers. And the Tragans, they're, they're aliens. They're kind of hairy with a long, like, triangular snout. They reminded me of Bothans, but just with weird glasses, like welding goggles. They've got, like, yeah, cybernetic eyes, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, but they're sort of a hairy alien with, like, a little proboscis-type nose. Kind of like a tapir's nose, almost. Yeah, something like that. A little bit like that. And they're standing there pointing guns, and uh, there's just a regular Sebastian, like, pale-skinned dude just kind of standing there. Same jacket that John sometimes wears. Yeah. He tells him, stay where you are. And Scorpy walks out. It's like, do you know who I am? He definitely pulls the, you know, do you know who I am card on Do you know who I am? (laughs) And the peacekeeper's like, Scorpius, I didn't realize you were out here. Yeah, I didn't know you were out here, and you don't know it now. Uh, we're, we're supposed to search every ship not broadcasting a peacekeeper ident. Yeah, and if I was broadcasting that ident, I'd be in a lot of trouble, because that would give away the whole point. Secret mission, hello. Yeah, but then the Tragen says, no, your mission is over. You're coming with us. And Scorpius looks between the two of them and is like, who's in charge here? Who should I be addressing? And he gets up close to the peacekeeper and is like, and who's going to take the blame? And the peacekeeper's like, looks at him, he's like, release the hooks, I'm in charge here. Oh, all right, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. I, I'm an assertive peacekeeper soldier, I'm an assertive <laughs> peacekeeper soldier. That's what he says to himself in the morning in the mirror. And he says, uh, your command codes, sir. Ah, yes. Scorpius rattles off a number. And uh, they're just turning, you know, getting ready to leave, and the Tragen puts the command code into a... A thing and it comes up and starts beeping me, me, like, me, 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 me. not recognized so it's time for a shootout and we yeah, kind of it... go into slow-mo as this happens and john like whips his gun around shoots the one Tragon behind him mm-hmm. and then grabs scorpius pulls him in and starts shooting over his shoulder as he backs out of the room yeah because scorpius actually kind of walks up to john with his arms up and scorpius keeps getting hit in the back and once they get round into a corner john's like hey dan that's a nice set of body armor does it come in blue start shooting back out what did you do during this breakup that got them so angry 
I abandoned my post. Oh, he's very happy about it. I abandoned my post, John. It's like, ah, you did that just for me? Shucks. Oh, he said, no, no. What people will do when they're in love. Yes, it's amazing what a man will do when he's in love and grabs Scorpius and pulls him away. I love that. It's like, yeah. I also love this, the setup for this battle. Because John shoots the one behind them and then just uses Scorpius as cover as they move yeah. away. It's, it's a fun little gimmick for this fight. Mm. And so then we see some shots through, like, uh, the other... We see Dargo and Aaron, you know, taking out some of the Dragons. The shootout moves into Pilot's Den. And so we have Crichton and Scorpy in Pilot's Den. Uh, <laughs> Crichton gets behind Pilot and he's like, Pilot, duck. And Pilot's like, I can't. I can't duck. So <laughs> rumor to duck you. Have you ever seen me duck? And uh, we see Kata tells uh, Pical to go hide. Like, you you know, you're more important. I'm one who's supposed to keep you safe. Yeah, you're more sensitive to all this stuff. Like the peacemaking stuff. And yeah, because Pical doesn't want Kata to risk his life. But he's like, no, no, I have to keep you safe. And also, I like that Eren goes over the comms. Who's that being shot at? And John just responds, who do you think? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we also see Chiana and Sokozu. And Chiana can see the energy signatures of the Trigon's weapons through the walls. Three of them parallel to us. And so, yeah, Dargo and Aaron do some more shooting. Yeah, because this is like the peop- two people show up. Aaron just says... Dargo's like, right, okay. Pew, 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 pew. And then uh, Carter gets jumped by some dragons, and he fights off some of them. I was very impressed by what he does. For somebody who's supposed to be a peacemaker, he takes out two and almost three before he gets taken out himself. Yeah, unfortunately, he does get shot in the chest by one of the other ones mm-hmm. and falls down dead. So, uh, back to Pilot's Den. Scorpius and Crichton are being pinned down from all angles. And Scorpius says, we need the release transmitter. Oh, great. Where's that? Over there, on the head dragon. That'll get the grappling hooks out of us. Oh, great. Okay, cover me. <laughs> and Scorpius says, as John says, that's like, you enjoy this, don't you, John? Cut to Dargo and Aaron, who've ambushed another group at this point. And Dargo says, huh. Never thought you'd uh, to be the kind uh, of person for kids. And I love that Aaron just gives him a look. Mm. She's like... Yeah, well, Dargo says, like, yeah, me neither. And uh, she says, he wants it so badly. So I do. Talking about John. Yeah. And Dargo says, you know, no, you'll come around when you see the little guy in person. I hope so. And then more enemies come around and they shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> I like that these two have this moment, because it's mm. been a while since we've seen Dargo and Aaron, the friendship really expressed in a way it did also make me think back of like again with this and thinking back to early seasons how they i'd forgotten almost like how they really didn't get along in the beginning of season one no it took it took a while for them to become friends really but it's these two actually became friends relatively quickly because they had that warrior backgrounds to connect over like it took it they they managed to do that within the first season like for example john and dargo took a little bit longer yeah, this is true. So, yeah, and then Chiana and Sokozu come across... Well, there are the two dragons who found Qatar, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, rounding the corner. Maybe they might find Pical, who's hiding somewhere else. They've actually found him, and they, they're holding him. It's like, do you know the species? Nope. Well, the dead is as good as any. And then Chiana and Sokozu both come running. Like, Chiana does a series of, like, flips down the yeah. corridor. And uh, Sokozu, like, walks up the wall, and they start kicking them in the face and fighting yeah. the two dragons they kick, they kick their asses is what they do <laughs> it's like they first of all, like they get the drop on them and then like chiana's like jumping over their heads and like sokozu goes on the ceiling lands on one of their heads snaps the neck and you know yeah chiana managed to punch one down he, he rolls away 
He's able to grab a gun, like whips it round, but she grabs a pistol and quick draws on him and shoots him. Yeah. Dead. And so now we cut back to Crichton and Scorpius, and uh, Crichton is making a run for it. Scorpius providing covering fire. Mm-hmm. He leaps over the uh, console and like starts shooting up at the at the Tragons looking down from the yeah, tiers he just above. Spins around, John Wustal still in the air, shoots the Tragon that man that was firing down and so scorpius providing covering fire on the two guys who are at, at the entrance to pilot's den and which is the sebation and the tragon captain and he shoots both of them and the tragon falls off the t- off the walkway all the way down to the bottom yeah and i this is why we put railings in <laughs> but i also saw this and it was like no wait he has the uh, he has the release <laughs> crap but he's able, they're able to take out all of the Tragons that were shooting at them. And so Pilot says, there are no more Tragons aboard, but we're still being reeled in. Because we can't release the harpoons, because we don't have the transmitter. Because somebody shot them off the balcony. And actually, when Scorpy walks over to John lying there, he's like, are we having fun yet, John? Call that covering fire? <laughs> you weren't, you're not dead, so don't complain, John. <laughs> but so is uh, like, what does it look like? Is it... A- and it's the star-shaped thing. And she's like, ah, here it is. Got one off the other guy. They press it. The hooks detach. And pilot's like, emergency starburst, go! And they just starburst out of there. Like, yep. basically, this was... This was... If this was a D&D game, again, this is like a random encounter yeah. that they rolled on. This is on. just... Okay, okay. Roll for the table. Oh, you come across some pirates. Well... They're going to attack you. Oh, they get a surprise attack on you. <laughs> While you're busy with the wedding. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. comes in... Oh, exactly. Oh, that's that's dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, it's it's basically like... I get I get why it's here. But I could see kind of a little bit transparently of like, this is here to keep the action flowing and doesn't really serve any other purpose nope. than nope. to be an action scene. Well, it, it gives him a few things. One, they know that Scorpius's codes are busted. True, yeah. There's also the fact that a few important talks happen, like the talk yeah, between like Aaron, that, and, yeah. Aaron and Dargo. But yeah, they, if you had to completely cut this down for time, this is where you start cutting. Oh yeah, definitely. Like This can go enti- almost entirely without yeah. losing anything, really. But as it stands, as an action scene, it's fine and it works okay. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So, and then uh, they do the emergency starburst. Aaron manages to find Rigel, who was hiding, and they were like, where is he? He's like, don't get your knickers in a twist. The baby's fine. Actual line. Yeah, he actually says that. (laughs) And so uh, Crichton's like, okay, how long is this going to slow us down getting to Arnesk? Pilot first apologizes, like, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention to them. Dar says, well, you're a thousand mistakes behind us. You're fine. And it's not going to slow us down. Looks out window. Oh, hey, there's our nest. Yeah, we're there. Are we there? Oh, we're here yet. Oh, we're here. Oh, well, all right then. Uh-huh. Oh. And so the next shot we see is a transport pod landing in the forest uh, around our, around the temple of our nest. And Crichton gets out and starts like going through the woods. And he's like, okay, nope, nope, not here. All right, no, crap, I'm lost. Oh, hey, there's the ruins that we've been to before ah not lost and then we see a couple of times like something moves in front of the camera like <laughs> there's another red. bit where yeah a bit slower and we can see some more red hair and we're like ah mm. and john's looking around the ruins there's there's like a a rope tied across it and uh, uh, this trench and he's like what what is this looking at it as he's looking at it like a harpoon or like crossbow bolt flies next to his head yeah he's like oh and then the trap goes off, he gets snagged and dragged across the floor backwards, 
Then Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn comes, pulls <laughs> no, his no, hair no. back, puts a knife <laughs> on his throat. That's no, exactly what she looks like. It kind of is, but it is. It's Jewel. First of all, holy crap, it's Jewel. Hey. Hey. I mean, that's kind of what we expected to find yeah. on our desk. What I didn't expect to find was Jewel living in the wilds as a jungle person. Yeah. Or living in the wilds as some kind of, like, survivalist. Like I said, Aloy from Horizon Zero Top. With, like, a bow and arrow and, like, rags and, like... Like nice, kind of like Tarzan deal, yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the hell. And then this like, seems she, a bit excessive. And then she finds, she, like, she grabs John from the trap, and is like, John's like, hi, Jewel. And he's like, oh, Crichton, oh, it's you. And then she like whips him around, like puts him up against the wall, and starts kissing him. It's like, I knew you'd come back. I knew you'd realize the more we were apart, that we were meant to be with her. And and they were like, hang on, what? Yeah, that's I. I recall specifically yeah. that you kissed. Dargo! It was Dargo! When Why you it... two left. Like, hold on. It was Dargo you had a thing with. Yeah. Not John. Maybe she's gone crazy from living in the woods all this time. I mean, John and Dargo do look alike a lot. Sure. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, hats. But no, I, that's, no okay. not even that. No. This made no sense to me, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. You're right, it actually doesn't make any sense. I would buy her maybe living in the woods, but not being obsessed with John or anything. Okay, so... Let's finish the scene, because John's like, no, please stop, and Aaron shows up. And then she looks up like, Aaron? It's like, <clears throat> <clears throat> And then Rigel comes in and says, Get your own fantasy. They're having my baby. <laughs> They're having my baby. I love the, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she just looks down and is like, baby? What the? He's like, yep. This thing is, aside from that joke... This would have worked perfectly if they just replaced John with Dargo. And then Chiana shows up and is like, Hey, what are you doing? Back off. Yeah. Back well, off. Yeah, I, th- I feel like all they just needed to remove was Jewel kissing John, because that yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. The rest of this scene is... The worry I have is that they put that bit in so that Rigel could say, like, get your own fantasy, they're having my baby. Like, it was done, like, in reverse to make that joke work. <sighs> Which would be really dumb. It would be dumb. It's a good joke, but even then I think, and I really like the joke, I would have been like, yes, it's a very fun joke. Let's not destroy a character for a joke. Let's, let's not, yeah. Let's respect this character. To be fair, the next scene we is more the jewel that we're used to. Yeah. Because we go into the ancient uh, Eidolon Temple, and it's very big, ornate, very sort of like rectangular, not, not ornate, but like big and impressive and uh, there's a big pool in the middle of it and it's, it's very tall in the middle and there are lots of eidolons standing around the edge at different levels yeah and jules like you know be respectful and john walks in and he's like <laughs> and it echoes throughout the entire hall you can see his face go oh Come on. And once again, there is that music cue in behind where it's like sort of that sort of chanting, you know, religious type music like, oh, and then as soon as he whistles, it cuts out. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's quiet. It's like and you can see John's face like, ah, oh, shit. And then the head Eidolon, an older man, comes down and says, Excellent acoustics, are they not? Perhaps you'd like to lead us in prayer. No, it's fine. Sorry. 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 (laughs) Jewel steps forward and says, No, listen, Hierarch, you know me. I'm sorry for these people, but I know them. They're fine. They've brought one of your descendants. And John, like, is it you? And he's like, No, no, no. Here he is. Grabs Picard, like, 
here's the guy. And Picao then explains, you know, we've lost the ability but not the desire to influence peace. And this is uh, Hierarch Yondalao is the name of the, the guy. Yondalao says, oh, worrying and exhilarating. We must deliberate on this. Well, well, we'll start deliberating when we have time. Bye. And Scorpius is like, I told you this was a waste of time, John. And Jewel steps forward. It's like, no, no, these people are honourable. Why do you send them away? I do not. I'm just busy. Need time to think about it. We have Canasta on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> and then Stark comes forward and is like, Honoured Hyrule, what is there to examine? Picard is Eidolon. You are Eidolon. It's like, we've awakened from 12,000 cycles of sleep. What relevance can we have to the galaxy now? But there's a war on And Stark gets very, like... Walks up to Yon Lao, grabs him by, by his ropes, like begging him. He's like, oh, but there's a war and you have to help. It's like, ah, peacekeepers, do your do your work. Do your duty. And Aaron like, steps forward and grabs... She looks a bit confused and she grabs mm-hmm. Stark and pulls him back. And he's like, huh. Yeah, and John grabs Stark's shoulder and is like, shh, shut up. Aaron says, can I talk? And he says, ah, the peacekeeper will be heard. We will allow the peacekeeper to talk? Yeah, they're very, like, officious and... And, you know, Pompous. stuffy and pompous yeah. a little bit, yeah. And so she says, like, I understand your cause for concern, but what could be more pertinent now, in this time or any, than, abil- in, than the ability to inspire peace? Or it's like, well, how can he help, even if he is Eidolon? It's like, you can teach him how to influence peace, and then he can teach his people, and there are many more of them than there are here. Yeah, together you could have an effect. And Yondalao says, well, while the your counsel is sound... We must still meditate upon it and think about it. And <laughs> right, peacekeepers, clear the temple. And John takes out his pulse pistol. Oh, you hear that? He wants us to act like peacekeepers, behave like peacekeepers. Great! It just accidentally shoots the pistol. The the bolt got starts bouncing around the room. It's like ah, assassin. It's like no, I'm just the guy without a brain. And then he <laughs> goes to Stark. It's like the lion here. He needs courage. Thumps Scorpion on the chest. Tin Man, he wants a heart. And Rigel, Toto, he wants an easy berth. And Dorothy, which is Pical, he's just looking for a way home. So he grabs Pical and like drags mm-hmm. him. Like it's like we won't be here tomorrow. Drags him right up in front of Yondalao. It's like look at him. He is your heir. Like forcing him to look at him like in the face. Yeah, up close. He is an idol on. And you you see that look in Yondalao's eyes of recognition of like being confronted by this yeah and he touches his face because it's no longer like an abstract thing he's the kid is right in front of him now if you don't believe our counsel see with your own damn eyes mm. so then we cut to the eidolons praying and it was kind of sad that this wasn't the farscape theme yeah because oh right that was the the sort of noise that they made the last time around yeah that was the that was we'll be kept hearing in the background oh uh, that would have been kind of nice at that point i found it cheesy but at this point i would have been okay with it yeah and so they're praying and yondalao's giving a speech about you know accepting this burden of and this gift of this responsibility to bring peace Mm -hmm. are you prepared to carry this burden with you your entire life like okay we can teach you and then you know ceremony begins back outside aaron and john are talking and like you know if this works this this should work like the islands can stop the war no wormholes yep no wormholes john Crichton. just what i was thinking then rigel appears around the corner like can we go back to moya yet and he's he's looking a bit bigger as well yeah and john's like is it just me or is he looking bigger well and then Aaron says well it's a geometric pregnancy 
<laughs> Please tell me that means we're getting a mathematician. Uh, it's like, well, no, the baby's going to be born a lot sooner than you think. It's the genetic modifications for people in, like, a battle squadron. We're going to be parents in a matter of solar days. Well, first of all, John goes, uh, what? what? <laughs> Second <laughs> of all, I was like, oh, come on, Farscape, no, don't do me like that. Not at the end. It's not a geometric pregnancy. It would be exponential, but... Uh, that... <laughs> <laughs> but... That as well. But it's also the fact, like, if that were the case... Raiju would be need to be eating twenty four seven. Like he'd have to be stuffing his face permanently just to have enough energy. You imply that, that Rigel wasn't already doing that. <laughs> well, he wasn't eating when he just came into the seed. I mean, every single moment. Again, I don't think that's a stretch for <laughs> Rigel at all. No, but <laughs> okay, we'll get back to that later because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. moments where I'm like, no. But um, he's like, well, uh, 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 I, we don't have a name. Oh, no, I've already picked a name. And then she does like, like a backwards noise like she's made before when uh-huh. talking like... And he's like, sorry, what? It's like, you don't like it. It's like, boy or girl? Like, either, works for both. It's like, uh, uh, uh. You're making a joke. Soldiers don't have a sense of humor, she says. Yeah. And John smiles. He's like... Alright, and she starts walking away, and he just says, like, you better have my dinner ready when I get back on that ship now, and she just holds up her pistol. <laughs> That's her form of just sticking the middle finger back at him, I feel. Yeah, exactly, and he's like, eh. When she did that backwards voice, I was like, oh, Claudia Black. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And so we cut now back to the command carrier, and... Marek is getting some more reports of uh, heavy casualties, you know, yeah. losing a lot of ships and... Getting their ass kicked. He's like, okay, well, order this group to retreat and reconvene somewhere else. And his lieutenant is like, how are the Scarans moving so quickly and effectively? How are they beating us so badly? Well, lieutenant, because they've been planning this war for quite a while now. And like, and do you have a way to turn it around, sir? It's like... Of course I do. In due time. And in the back, you see Grazer looking on. So, back to Moya again. And Aaron is confirming some readings for Pilot. And Pilot says, thank you. And then Sokozu comes to join her on command. She starts talking to Aaron a little bit and says, Look, with all due respect, Crichton is your inferior in every way. Why would you be prepared to have his baby? Aaron's like, you should probably just leave now. Like... Off this ship forever. And Sokoz is like, I didn't mean to offend you. Look. And I love I love Aaron's face, like, well, you did a piss poor job of that. Yeah, it's like yeah, but you still did. And uh Sokozu says that when she first met Scorpius She naturally assumed Yeah, he was her inferior, but then I've learned that he's got a much deeper reservoir to his abilities that overshadows mine. Yeah, and Aaron says, well, same with John. Wait, you think John is your superior? No, my equal. It's like, perhaps your overestimations, you're under an overestimations of yourself, Sokozu. They're meaningless. Perhaps you're just meant to be together. Measuring that is just a waste of time. And I I hear this, like, I think Aaron just gave Sokozu relationship advice for her relationship with Scorpius. I think she did, yeah. (laughs) This feels weird. Also, though, the tone in her voice is like she's not taking it super seriously it's like look i'm telling you this now please leave yeah true but it's still like very sound advice Mm, yeah it's like look maybe you're just meant to be together okay maybe 
You're just meant to be together with that creep Scorpius. Yeah. So, speaking of Scorpius, back down mm. on the planet, on Arnesk, Scorpius, uh, just he's just, like, finished talking to some Eidolons, and then Crichton comes in, and he says, Interesting, these Eidolons can only inflict peace if the combatants are nearby. Scarons would destroy them before they got close enough to have any effect. Ah, uh, is that a little bit of professional uh, jealousy I hear there, Scorpius? And it's like, no, I'm simply saying it's not going to work. Like, Crichton says, well, in that case, you know, look, you won't mind doing their, them doing their thing and Scorpius like well yes as long as you do yours as well like make the wormhole weapon yeah no that's a means to an end what do you really want and Scorpius goes that peace in this way like peace achieved at the conference table is fragile that'll break peace achieved during conflict that will last yeah also like this is Scorpius like we have to you know beat them and make a peace you know, during combat, we have to incite this war and you know, that will do this thing. And But he's also saying to John, like, the reason I'm uneasy about this, like, I have a very highly developed survival sense. We've been here too long. It's telling me to leave. His spidey sense is tingling. Again. Yeah, again. And then we hear, then we hear like a ship coming in and Aaron's coming. There was like a Scarum warship is closing in on the planet. Maximum speed. It's not a dreadnought or a striker. It's something else. Something fast. I was like, how much time we got? It's like, more like how little. Dargo's like, yeah, okay, we're coming to get you. Whoa, Scorpio, where are you going? It's like, I'm, remove as much of our presence as possible. The Scarons will be hard enough on the Eidolons as it is. Look, don't worry about that. We're taking them with us. Yeah, so we go back again to the temple. And Crichton is trying to convince Yondalaus. Like, okay, no, the Scarons are coming. They're here. They're going to try and d- destroy you. you got to come with us. You all have to come with us. We can't do that. Jewel also says. We don't have... Okay, we don't have time to argue. He grabs Pical. It's like, you're going to come... All right, you're coming. Yondalao says, no, he can't. He's not ready to instruct others. I will c- accompany you, says Yondalao. Okay, so trade a rookie for an expert. Yeah, sounds like a fair deal. John's like, all right, fine, whatever. You come with me. And then he says to Jewel, it's like, you should come as well. Like, come come with us. I can't. My, my place is here. So you go, and she kisses him on the forehead this time, which mm-hmm. is more what I expect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. And then John says, you always made the best mistakes. And he leaves with Yondalao. On Moya, Stark says to Rigel, it's like, not good, this isn't good. And Rigel's examining the device to remove the baby. Oh, you're sticking this in me. Like it's not gonna work. No, not you, them, the the others. That's bad, bad, bad. It's like, look, if you want to worry about somebody, worry about me. <laughs> I think that's a nice thesis statement for Rigel. Yeah, if you very want to much worry so. about anybody, worry about me. That's what I do. Mm. And then Stark looks down at the planet through a window. It's like, no, the Eidolons. No, they're dying. Bring them peace. They must have peace. Peace. Banging his head against the wall. And so Crichton then comes up on command. Pilot says, Scarons are close enough to have targeted us. We can't starburst. We'll get shot down before we leave. Uh, Moya doesn't want to starburst because that would just be suicide. And then Jewel sends a transmission from the planet addressing the Scarons. And Moya gets patched into it. So we see a hologram of Jewel and Pical. And Jewel says, uh, Scaron vessel, we're a peaceful planet. We have no weapons. We are no threat. Do you wish to land? And then John has like... I have a bad feeling. And he quickly goes in the calm. Jewel, get away from the temple. Leave the temple now. And then the Scarons fire. And the Scarons, they launch like a huge missile. And everyone yeah, and aboard Moira is like, move, get out of the way. And Pilot's like, too late. Everybody brace. 
And then the missile doesn't hit Moya. No. It was never aiming at Moya. It goes right past them, down towards the planet, splits off into little parts, which then come together and destroy the temple. We see the image of Jewel, her looking over her shoulder, and then it cracks out. And we just see the, the, the explosion, like, get larger, the area affected by the explosion. You can see it from orbit. Hmm. Jewel got very little screen time in this. And not very good screen time. No. I, I wish she had decided to go with them. Yeah, I would have liked her on board. Like, apparently she has, like, a sort of new personality. Sure, let let her have the primitive weapons. I'd be okay yeah, with that. Yeah, and then, yeah, she got blown up with the rest of the Eidolons in the temple. So, yeah, goodbye, Jewel. That's Jewel. Well, Tammy McIntosh, that's a wrap. And we thank you for your service, and your character was horribly underutilized you did not deserve that yeah jewel never really got a fair shake i felt never not from the moment she was introduced to the moment she left of all the characters i think she the most untapped potential i think exactly i think there were very brief moments i remember the her scene with dargo when yeah uh, on the ship that was when i was like yes yes we're digging into this character and it never went beyond that yeah, I remember like we compl- I like the most character development she got was in what was lost part 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and that was when they she decides to stay behind, you know. So yeah, and then we suddenly learn that she was an archaeologist. Yeah, and then now we suddenly learn that she's like living in the jungle and and now we suddenly learn that she's dust. Yeah, she's exploded. So, oh crap. It's a shame, yeah. Also, Stark poor poor stark because he feels all those deaths yeah and he like collapses in the in the kitchen he's like oh Mm. no and then the scarons hail moya and they say you know you must surrender to our forces non-compliance will result in the immediate annihilation of your ship and yeah pilots like "Uh, emergency starburst and then they shoot the the tail of moya as starburst is beginning Mm -hmm. and moya is just crippled and can't go anywhere yeah, and they, they will vacate their ship, and if anybody remains, they will destroy it. And Chiana says, we're cursed. We're cursed. Everything we touch. And I'm like, yes, this is Maldus' work. Exactly. No, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, that's how a curse works, Hat. You don't see it. it just It's just there. It just happens. Subtly corrupting and changing events to working your disadvantage. It's been Maldus all along. No, look, okay, it's not going to be Maldus anyway. It's my, it's my headcanon and you can't take it away from me. <laughs> I can't prove it's not him. Exactly. <laughs> so the Scarons fire on Moya, crippling her. And that is where we're going to leave it for now. Yes. We've got still about another one third of part one of Peacekeeper Wars. And then we have to do part two. And this is already going to be a longer episode and for our own sanity and safety and health, we're just going to, we're going to leave it there for now and we will pick back up next time. So it looks like it's going to be three episodes. At least three. Let's put it that way. At least, yes, at least (laughs) three. At least three. Yes, good point. So yeah, so that's where we're going to leave it for now. Just to recap, everybody's got back together. Aaron's not pregnant. Rigel's pregnant with Aaron's baby. John and Aaron are no longer a, a nice inventory for a jewelry store. Yep, and they've gone to find the Eidolons on Arnesk because those are the people who shot them down. Their descendants. They have to go and get them to teach peace, but their temple just got obliterated, and so Yondalau is still on board. The Scarns are after them. They've just been crippled. 
What's going to happen, we will find out next time. See, this is a good point to leave it at. It's a nice yeah, dramatic cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Like, the episode, this, this, this goes on, but... We're just going to mess with you guys by stopping here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is part one of uh, the Farscape Rewatch does Peacekeeper Wars. Mm-hmm. We will be back next time with uh, part two of that, where we pick up and see where we go from there. There's, I know there's a lot more fun stuff to come. Ooh, yeah. I think so far for this part uh the biggest disappointment has been how they treated jewel again you know i mean that's a lie we've used a few times yeah it is it's it's true to form but uh it's still disappointing you know it's like but it it is it is fun to see the whole gang together and it's very clearly still farscape like the only people missing are definitely dead and that's Crace and zan you know yeah true i i I kept hoping zan would show up at some point yeah i'll get into some more stuff why there is some background you know there was a there was a possibility, but you know schedules don't work. She out. might still show up in the next two hours. Yeah, exactly. That's why I say like we'll get into that later. Maybe that mm. happens. Maybe that doesn't. We all have to tune in next time to find out. But so, shall we? Um, how are we going to rate this? Like, do we put a rating every time we end it, or do we wait until the end? I'm going to rate it as one thing. Okay, as a whole thing. But yeah, let's not put a rating on it. But so far, you know, how are you feeling about Peacekeeper Wars? Uh, I like that the CGI got a bit improved budget. That's nice. The thing is, at this point, we're still very clearly in the setup phase. Yeah, we are, definitely. Yeah. Like, we're heightening the drama. We're a little bit of the conflict, like the real conflict with the with the um, Scarons now arriving. But this was about all setup. I did like the whole diversion with space pirates. That was a fun little scene, but... I think what I'll say about this so far is basically it's been... That good, like, the Farscape that we've been used to, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's back to business as usual, but done well, I think. Yeah. So far. Anyway, but we will pick up next time. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in so far. This is definitely a a much longer episode, and Mm -hmm. I think the rest of the Peacekeeper Wars episodes are going to be like that. Bit of an extra long treat for people to, you know, dig into. Mm -hmm. Right, so without further ado, we will sign off and we will see you next time for part two of Peacekeeper Wars. And yeah, until then, you can find us around the web on Twitter at Hats and Red. At Red Number 7. Go to KarmaHats.co.uk for the previous episodes, which also has links to RSS feeds, iTunes. And if you do want to leave a rating on iTunes, that helps us out a lot. Yep. And don't forget, there's the Patreon, patreon.com slash Hats that supports this podcast. And yeah, we'll be back next time to continue on the Peacekeeper Wars on our final stretch of this podcast. And Mm -hmm. we thank you for listening this week. We will see you next time. Have a good week. Goodbye. 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 Hats! Hats! What? What? I think I'm pregnant. What? Come here, let me see. Oh god, that's one hell of a bump. Let me let me feel that. Okay, no, you ate too much. That's a food, baby. What have I told you about having too much to eat? Too many burritos or whatever. No, hats, I felt a kick. Oh, I think I'm having a cabbage patch kid. <laughs>